With more than 100 years of experience between the four of them covering Minnesota high school athletics, the Minnesota Sun newspaper's sports editors bring you Sun on Sports. Hello and welcome to Sun on Sports, uh, the Thanksgiving edition. It's Wednesday, November 24th. I'm Mike Shaughnessy, joined by Nick Clark. We're uh, taking a look this week at the upcoming prep bowl games, uh, the championship round for Minnesota high school football on uh, Friday the 26th. Uh, the, uh, the the two uh, double-breasted Tom Gobblers of the Sun Sports Department, John Sherman and Greg Clevin, are on vacation today. So uh, Nick Clark and I will uh, carry the ball for this uh, this final podcast of the season. Uh, and obviously, in our coverage area, Nick, a lot of um, a lot of attention is going to be paid to that uh, Class 5A final on uh, Friday at seven between Rosemont and Wyzetta. And rightfully so, we got ourselves a heck of a football game coming up this Friday night. 7 o'clock at the Metrodome, a pair of undefeated teams, a pair of conference champions and and two of what you could argue might be the two strongest football conferences in the entire state of Minnesota this year. And I think the right two teams made it to this game. Uh, Both took a little bit different routes getting to this point, but Mike, leading up to it, uh, we could be in for a dandy, especially the way, if anything, we needed to to see on on Saturday night last week at the Dome was uh, Wyzetta didn't look as invincible as they had been. And and, I mean, Rosemont's got to like knowing that uh, they have more of a chance than maybe some people would have perceived them to have. Yeah, and this is the um, uh, this was the third time in five years that Rosemont had made it to at least the uh, state semifinal round, and uh, having uh, covered all three teams, I would have to say that this is Rosemont's uh, best, deepest, strongest, most athletic team. One thing Rosemont, uh, one thing that will be a Rose problem for Rosemont coming into this game is uh, two of their players are probably going to be less than a hundred percent physically. Their leading rush. Andrew Hausman uh, sat out most of last week's 28 to 14 victory over Brainerd with a uh, heavily taped right ankle, and then their uh, their outstanding defensive end Brant Burgess, a uh, Star Tribune All Metro first team player. He was coming back from an injury, and then the second quarter went down with an injury to his left knee and did not return. Um, now, given that they're both seniors and this is their uh, this is their final uh, high school game, uh, you'd have to think that they will make every effort to try to be ready for this game. But having watched uh, Burgess get uh, pushed up the ramp and uh, uh, at the Metrodome in a wheelchair, I'd be. I'd, I'd be surprised if he was able to go Friday. I think Hausman probably will uh, try to give it a go Friday. Uh, not having those two certainly doesn't help Rosemont at the same time. Uh, they also didn't have them very much against Brainerd, and they pushed the Warriors pretty much all over the field. I was um, uh, the 28 to 14 final score does not really reflect. Uh, uh, level of Rosemont's domination. Uh, Brainerd had something like 70 yards of total offense through the first three quarters and scored their uh, scored their two touchdowns in the final three and a half minutes. Uh, so I, I think this is uh, this sets up as a uh, a very interesting matchup. Uh, you have Rosemont with a powerful running game, big offensive line against a Wyzetta defense that's smaller but uh, is aggressive. 
and can fly around. The seniors on both these teams will have a little familiarity with each other, if nothing else, for standing on the sidelines two years ago when these two teams met in the state semifinals. Wyzetta won that night 34-10, to which might have been arguably their best, most talented, deepest, and strongest team in, that they've had. This year's version of Trojans certainly is not. Uh, you know, they're awfully talented still. Uh, they're awfully fast still. They're awfully big still. But they haven't had the individual talent that some of these Wyzetta clubs in years past have had. And that's worked for them getting to this point. Uh, it looked Friday night, I'm sorry, Saturday night in, in beating Moundsview, what was the final 21-16, to that they could have used you know, that go-to guy to step up and make a play. Uh, they eventually got it out of uh, a backup quarterback, of all people, who went on a 62-yard run in the fourth quarter that really uh, saved Wyzetta's season in many ways. If you look at it, uh, the Trojans came out that night, and, and like they have uh, throughout the entire playoffs, they scored a couple quick touchdowns. Uh, Seven nothing lead early, just two and a half minutes into the game. Sean Hamlin took took an interception back thirty yards. Uh, just under three minutes, just over three minutes later, Tanner Helgren caught a twenty-one yard touchdown pass from Sasha Doran. Nice little route, cut it back to the middle of the field and, 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 and made a guy miss to get into the end zone. Uh, and that made it fourteen nothing, and then it stayed that way until midway through the fourth quarter when uh, Monsu woke up. Uh, put together its first uh, sustained drive of the night, ended with a seven-yard touchdown pass from Nick Anderson to Blake Anderson, notably the first points Wyzetta had allowed the entire postseason. Uh, and just like that, the Trojans looked didn't look as invincible as they had in previous weeks. Monsu got a safety on a blocked punt and then ended up scoring again with two and a half minutes left on a, on a, on a Jimmy Duffy eight-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Aaron Roth scored in between all that on the two yard on a two yard touchdown run to give Wyzetta get Wyzetta to 21. It was set up on that run by Nick Martin though. Uh, it was kind of a rollout pass. Uh, the guys were covered. The middle of the field was open, and he took it and got all the way down inside the 10. And Wyzetta took advantage. But until then, uh, I think you could argue in that fourth quarter, Moundsview proved uh, that they were in that game for a reason. And, and it's safe to say, maybe even perhaps for that quarter, they were the better football team. Wyzetta just had those early two touchdowns to kind of rely on and. You know, get them into this game. I've uh, covered a couple of past Moundsview teams in the uh, in the state playoffs. I uh, this is this is probably Moundsview's strongest team in a while, perhaps ever. And I think the same probably holds true for Rosemont. This is prob- this is more than likely more than likely Rosemont's best team in Jeff Erdman's tenure there. Uh, a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, they lost to Wyzetta thirty-four to ten in the uh, state semifinals. I I don't think Rosemont uh, would have probably won that game under any circumstances. They, they, I think they would have made that game closer. Um, their quarterback that year, Chase Vogler, who's now um, who's now the quarterback at you uh, at Minnesota Duluth, the number one ranked team in. Um, uh, in uh, NCA Division Two, I believe he had broken his hand uh, the previous week, and that pretty much neutralized their passing game. And uh, a one-dimensional team's not going to beat Wyzetta. No, they, they certainly weren't, and especially that year. Um, that 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 Wyzetta team, like I alluded to earlier, was 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 stocked with not only talent, and they're always well coached, big, fast, and strong. But they were talented. Uh, this year's group, all the same, except for they, they, I don't. I want to say they're missing anything. They're obviously they're ten and zero. They're in the prep bowl final for the the fourth time in the last six or seven years. Uh, they've won two of those already, uh, and they've you know very well could win a third. Uh, but they they just seemed to to I don't know 
the knockout punch type of a guy or, or whatever it was that was missing against Mounsview. And perhaps it was just credit to Mounsview. You brought up how strong Mounsview was, and I think that was an opportunity, uh, uh, the right word to use in describing them in that uh, they uh, they took Whiteside's best two punches, got back up, and pushed him around for a couple quarters and, and found a way to, 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 to get you know get their defensive guys through that massive Whiteside offensive line and get some stops, found a way to move the ball on him and ultimately score, which uh, was something that, you know, you look at the, the list of offenses that Wyzetta had just, you know, shut down completely the last three weeks in Champlain Park, Osseo, then Blaine. Uh, scoring a point on them is, is an accomplishment, let alone 16, and, and giving herself a chance in the last two minutes, which, you know, they certainly had. Mounsey was driving the ball again late in the game with, with a touchdown, would have won, and, and Wyzetta finally got the stop it needed. But you're right. Uh, Mounsey is, is, or Rosemont's chances are better this year in that uh, they are multidimensional, and uh, obviously uh, Wyzetta proved uh, last week that, uh, you know, they're human. Uh, Jeff Urban, Rosemont's coach, has always said that you know we have to be able to run the ball to be successful, and I certainly think that's true. Uh, they have shown the last few weeks they are capable of uh, making some plays through the air if they need to. Um, I would say if their um, if their quarterback uh, Kevin Larson has to throw more than. 10 or 12 times, that might be a sign of trouble for Rosemont because that'll mean that their uh, their, their their option is uh, is getting shut down. Having said that, I, I think Rosemont's going to be able to move the ball some against Wyzetta. The, uh, um, the, the, the big question might be whether Rosemont's defense can, uh, can, can contain Wyzetta because uh, the Trojans have... Uh, a lot of playmakers that um, maybe haven't quite put up the numbers of some other metro area leaders because you know they're not necessarily playing all four quarters. They have a uh, they're uh, they, they use two quarterbacks, for example. Other kids um, uh, other kids touch the ball maybe five or six times a game as opposed to getting twenty to twenty five carries. But they're uh, uh, they're explosive, and they've got uh, they've got several kids on the offensive side who can make plays. Yeah, statistically, you look at them; it's not eye popping, but you got to remember, and a lot of people need to remember, they only play six regular season games. Their numbers aren't going to add up. Like you said, Brad Anderson is 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 very famous for if, if his team is up, he gets those subs in there in the third and the fourth quarter. If they're up by a bunch, and, and they had plenty of opportunities this year to do that. And on top of that, like you said, they rotate in four quarterbacks. They play two quarterbacks. They play five or six wide receivers. They spread that ball around. The one constant, though, this year has been that all-senior offensive line. They all returned. They all started last year. It was the one unit on that team that returned completely intact. And that's been the big difference in them getting back to this point. And they're big and they're strong and they, and they can move people. And I think, the you know, a lot of times it, it's a cliche to say this, but you get to these championship games and, and these teams are so equal everywhere else. You know what's going to happen in the in the, in the trenches. You know, and, and who gets the push on the snap, and I think that can go a long way in determining who wins this thing. Yeah, maybe the two best offensive lines in Class Five A, which uh, yeah. uh, I suppose helps explain why they're still playing. Uh, Rosemont has uh, a couple of three-year starters on the offensive line: Ryan Link, Joe Malachy. Uh They also have uh, Joe Bjorklund, a six-five, uh, two hundred and eighty-pound tackle, who's likely to get um, Division One offers if he hasn't already. So this is, um, it's a cliche, but literally this game might literally be one that's won in the trenches. Yeah, and it should be an entertaining one at that. It's going to be good football. It's the one thing you look at both these clubs. 
both the coaching staffs. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be good, clean football. It's going to be entertaining football. And it might be old school football. It might be three and a half yards at a time, and let's see what we can get done, uh, which uh, for a lot of people used to watching the new high-tech spread offenses, Roman the Metro with, with some of these schools, uh, might be a little bit of a throwback for some people to watch. Now, we've seen a few blowouts in the prep bowl in years past. I don't think this will be one of those. I... Uh, e- even though I cover Rosemont, I tend to uh, I, I, I tend to favor Wyzetta in a close and uh, relatively low-scoring game. Yeah, I, great, Mike. I think it'll look like a lot like Saturday did. Um, there's a lot of similarities between Rosemont and Malinzu, the way they run the run the ball, the way that they utilize their passing game, and the way they tackle defensively. And you know, you brought we brought up the offensive lines. Uh, that said, uh, you know, I guess why is that of the edge? Just because you know they're the late conference champion, they have a win over Eden Prairie, they've demolished pretty much everybody they played this postseason leading up to this game, including number two Blaine heading into the postseason with thirty four nothing was the final there, uh, and you know they won this game. You know, with two of the last four years, this would be their third and five. Uh, it's tough to argue against what they've been doing there and, and how they perform at this stage on this stage. Um, the the uh, Class 4A championship game, which is going to be three o'clock Saturday at the Metrodome, uh, this is a game between established state power versus up and comer with uh, Tatino Grace at 11 and 1 taking on the undefeated Rogers Royals at 12 and 0. Um, I suspect that there have been people including several of us on this show who have uh, basically said to Rogers, well, okay, show show us what you got because the other three teams in the uh, uh, in the 4A semifinals have been there and done that and uh, uh, you can't argue that they uh, showed that they were legit after taking out Matamidi in the semifinals last week. Matamidi, a Matamidi team, it should be noted, that was responsible for that one blemish on Tatino Grace's record. Uh, yeah, it was awfully impressive what Roger was able to do. 45-28 was the final. And uh, I imagine the kids up there in Rogers are uh, anticipating this game with high regard. <laughs> they look back to that quarterfinal game last year. Grace blew them out 56-14. to I wasn't at this game when Rogers beat Matamidi, uh, but I did read some of the recaps from it, and the talk coming from the Rogers side was, we've been waiting. Uh, they remember the licking they took, and Grace has uh, been known to deliver that to a few teams. This one apparently stuck with Rogers, and now they find themselves undefeated in the prep bowl in uh, a legitimate uh, threat to Tatino Grace's kind of reign atop Class 4A. Uh, and Tatino Grace, you know, a lot of people thought that they were the odds-on favorite in 4A to start the season. There were some who believed they could beat virtually any 5A school except possibly uh, Wyzetta or uh, or Eden Prairie. They're they're 11 and one. They came from behind to beat St. Thomas Academy in the uh, in, in the section semifinals. They look to be uh, they, they look to be. Uh, Playing their best at uh, exactly the right time. Yeah, you know, and you know Jeff Ferguson. They've been in this game so many times. It's almost an old hat. Uh, their Grace won it last year. That was their seventh Prep Bowl championship, which is just hard to even fathom uh, in kind of the modern era of, of high school football. Uh, but you know, if anything, you know, you, we talked last week about these four semifinal teams in Class Four, and like you kind of opened this segment with is talking about how uh, you know Rogers show us what you got. They did that. 
and they might quietly be the best team in that in those semifinals. You look at the, the course of their regular season; they opened the, they opened the season with four straight shutouts. Uh, they had, I think, they posted six throughout the course of the eight game regular season, and they've really been on cruise control in the postseason. Forty five against a really good Montemitai defense uh, last week, and getting to this point. Um, I might be crazy, but but so be it. I think Rodgers might be favored to win this game uh, just based on what they've done in 2010 alone. Uh, one criticism that some people have had about uh, about the prep bowl is that um, you sometimes tend to see the same teams getting back there year after year, and uh, you certainly won't have that situation in the Class 3A final, which is noon on Saturday. Um, you have uh, two undefeated teams, Rochester Lords and Holy Family, facing each other. Neither has ever won a state. Uh, I'm sorry, Holy Family has never won a state title. Lords uh, has won one state title, but it was 31 years ago. Um, Holy Family uh, ended the dream season of uh, Reggie Gandy and De La Salle last week. Um, so I. I guess based on that alone, I might make them the favorite in this game. Yeah, you know, it's tough not to. We don't know a lot about Rochester Lords up here um, in what they've done, but we can say this much about Holy Family, and excuse the puns, but the fire have now extinguished. Uh, you mentioned Reggie Gandy and Dia Salle season. They did the same to Austin Lohman and Breck in the, in the Section 5 final, uh, and, and they seem kind of, over the course of the season, you follow them from afar. Uh, they've seemed kind of like this is their destiny. One of those teams where every year kind of stands up and say we're gonna this is gonna be the year where we're not gonna be beaten. You know, it might be this year for Holy Family. I know they have a Division One quarterback. Uh, they have a number of talented uh, players surrounding him, and that coaching staff from some people I've talked to is, is really second to none. Uh, they've just done a tremendous job over there, a little Catholic school in Victoria, and, and here they are in a prep bowl in a game that features two teams combined, 26 and 0. A good story for both these teams, um, but you know, just based on. Not based on what they've done, but maybe more who they've beaten uh, to this point. Uh, yeah, the, the fire might be might be the team that that hoists that trophy come uh, you know Saturday about two thirty. Yeah, and you know uh, may, may, maybe the fact that the schools uh, out in Victoria, basically basically a Twin Cities exurb, uh, would lead people to believe that it's just uh, a little country school. It's uh, I don't think so. They've been. They, they've been to the state tournament in boys basketball. They've uh, uh, they, they've been to the state playoffs in football two of the last three years. And you look at uh, some of the communities that this school draws from: right. uh, Eden Prairie, Minnetonka, Shorewood, Chaska, Chanhassen. These are all communities with uh, very well established youth sports programs. So I I think Holy Family is uh, on its way to being a um, uh, a private school power in athletics, and it wouldn't surprise me to uh, see them in a few years maybe be up in Class 4A and uh, competing with the likes of St. Thomas Academy and Tatino Grace. Yeah, that might be an option they, they look to take advantage of someday. Uh, and like you said, they've done this in other sports. The trick in football is always it's a numbers game. You got to you know you can ask some athletes in the hall, but do you have 22 of them? You know enough to put out an offense and a defense. Uh, they apparently do this here, and, and you know good for them. 
him, and, and, and good luck Saturday. In the uh, in Class 2A, which uh, uh, where the championship game is going to be 4 o'clock Friday, we have uh, Caledonia and Triton, again, two undefeated teams, both 13-0. and 0. There are also established powers in Class 2A. Caledonia is uh, looking for its fourth straight champion, state, state championship. Triton is uh, also seeking its fourth title. Caledonia has... Uh, uh, one state in 2007-2008. Uh, Triton also has won uh, um, a, a recent uh, Class 2A title. They won in 2006. So this is uh, this is a matchup of teams that have uh, that, that, that have certainly been there before and um, shouldn't uh, sh- shouldn't be intimidated by their surroundings at the Metrodome. Yeah, and to, and to many familiar with two way football, the, the order has been restored. Maybe this year, last year, uh, neither of these teams even advanced to the state semifinals. Caledonia uh, took an eleven and zero record into the uh, state quarterfinals, but was was ousted by eventual state champion uh, Waterville Elias and Morristown. Uh, say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, and and but this year they're back in, in the final uh, where they've kind of hung out for for a number of years. Uh, this should be a good game. Both these teams can, um, can put up points. Uh, and, and the one thing you see, um, you know, we get indoors on this turf, uh, and, and these, these little, little small-town football teams come up here and show that they have some speed, too. You know, it's easy to talk about the speed of Wyzetta has on its defense or uh, Rosemount and its running attack or, or even, you know, Rogers and Tino Grace. But you, you get to these 2A and 1A and 3A schools, and you talk about their speed, and uh, you get them on that turf, and, and, you know, you don't see a whole lot of difference. These kids can fly up and down the field, and, uh, you know, to avoid another cliche, uh, this, you know, we might be seeing a track meet here. Uh, and, you know, with uh, smaller schools, smaller rosters, it also – uh, can become a, um, uh, a question of conditioning because you're uh, yep. they're, they're they're going from practicing outside in cold weather to playing indoors in warm weather with a lot of kids who are who are going both ways. So in a lot of a lot of instances, when uh, well, base, basically in football, a team that's in better shape usually wins anyway. But uh, conditioning is uh, the importance of conditioning. I think is probably magnified when. Uh, when you maybe only have 30 kids on your roster. Right. Uh, in Class uh, 1A, uh, the championship game is 1 o'clock Friday the 26th. We have uh, Barnesville against New Elm Cathedral, uh, two teams that have uh, never won the state championship. Uh, uh, Minneota last year's uh, Class eight and Class 1A champion, not in this game. Uh, New Elm Cathedral made it to the state title game in 2006. Barnesville uh, has not been to the Prep Bowl, at least in the time that it's been called the Prep Bowl. They last reached a state title game in 1978, which was uh, back when they were still having uh, the championship games at uh, several different outdoor locations throughout Minnesota. Yeah, it's interesting. Last year, New Elm Cathedral brought an undefeated record into the uh, state quarterfinal games before losing to... Uh, uh, the Awesome Blossoms, Bloom Prairie, uh, team maybe more known for its name than its, uh, than its football prowess, but the, uh, the Awesome Blossoms won 21-8 that night, uh, ending Cathedral season. This year they, they came in with the loss, uh, but here they are in the prep bowl. They put together another nice season down there. Uh, Barnesville undefeated, like you mentioned, neither team has won it. It's been a long time since Barnesville's been in this position. 
1978, which also coincides with the year I was born, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm no young kid anymore. Uh, you mentioned New Ulm Cathedral was a runner-up in 06. seems like New Ulm's kind of been coming around here the last couple of years, and, and who knows, maybe this is the year they get it done. Uh, the the nine man championship game ten a.m. Friday the twenty sixth for uh, for those who want to want to wake up early turn on the TV and see some uh, uh, see, see see some football on an eighty yard field the um, the finalists are Lanesboro eleven and two versus Cromwell eight and four um, apropos of nothing perhaps uh, Cromwell has as many losses as everyone else in the prep bowl combined. But on the other hand, you know, four regular season losses and uh, and yet making the prep bowl must uh, suggest that uh, Cromwell's playing awfully good football right now, and they've got a pedigree because they've uh, they, they've won the nine-man title three times. Yeah, and they have four runner-up finishes as well. Most recently in 2005, they finished second. Uh, this will be the first prep bowl appearance for Lanesboro uh, of any kind. Uh, the 10 a.m. start shouldn't affect these kids much. They were they were up early last week uh, playing in semifinal games that actually started, I believe, a full two hours before the either 8 or 9 was the start time just last week, uh, which used to be the way it was. I remember when I was a kid, you know, the prep bowl day, you'd wake up the day after Thanksgiving and turn on the TV, and, you know, you'd watch that nine-man game, the first thing you did. Now it's a little later, 10 a.m. Uh, you know, the new format obviously allows for them to do this. I, I think all of us in the media especially would agree it's, it's worked out wonderfully, uh, especially having that, that 5A game at 7 o'clock on a Friday night instead of starting at 9.30 or 10. Uh, it's worked out well. Uh, but back to this game, just real quick. We mentioned Cromwell, eight and four on the year. They were ten and one last year, coming into the state tournament. Lost the quarterfinals to Ada Bora. Uh, Stephen Argyle won the uh, won the prep bowl. Uh, Championship in nine-man football last year. If that sounds redundant, because it is, uh, they've they've won. You know, I'd have to go back and look exactly, but I believe uh, seven nine-man championships uh, up there in Stephen Argyle. So we'll have a new championship champion this year. That's always good to see. Uh, and we have two teams with combined six losses. So maybe some balance in class nine-man football this year. All I can say is thank goodness the high school league came to its senses and decided to uh, decided to space these games out over two days because the um, the semifinal rounds last week um, six games Friday six games Saturday uh, the Rosemont game Friday night with Brainerd was supposed to have started eight fifteen started at least a half hour late would have been even later if the previous game hadn't been played hadn't had running time the entire fourth quarter and and I believe Wyzetta's game against Moundsview started even later than 8:45, and these are game and and we're talking no commercial television for these games. They're, they they were webcast through Grand Stadium TV, but no commercial telecast with commercial breaks between game breaks to uh, do interviews, features. Uh, it's uh, it's very rare now for a high school football game to get done in two hours. So right. They're, yeah, you had to be done, otherwise you're looking at the Class 5A game basically not finishing until after midnight. No, which was almost the case Saturday night, and, you know, you hate to... You know, games that are played indoors usually aren't affected by the weather, but Saturday night, neither of these teams that played Moundsville or Wyzetta probably got home until 1. 
I know for me, I was I live uh, 17 miles door to door from the Metrodome to my front door. It took an hour and 20 minutes to get home, uh, traveling all of six miles an hour up I-94 uh, in the ice storm that was uh, responsible for, I think, a state record 285 metro wide car accidents or something. It was an insane number. It was a crazy night. And, you know, this, this this doesn't avoid that. You know, Mother Nature is going to do what, what, what she's going to do. Uh, but in case there is bad weather going home, at least it gets the kids in bed by midnight. Yeah. It, my opinion, you shouldn't have a state championship game starting at 8 in the morning. Uh, you also shouldn't have an eight, a state championship game starting at 10 at night. And going to two days uh, now prevents that from happening. Uh, our players of the week from last week, Nick, uh, pretty easy choice uh, from that uh, semifinal winning Wyzetta team. Yeah, junior quarterback Nick Martin took advantage of his his one series in the uh, in the in the second half uh, for Wyzetta. Uh, Brad Anderson, Wyzetta's head coach, has a history of doing this, and he'll do it through through the regular season, into the postseason, all the way to the prep bowl, uh, if it works out that way. Uh, but each game, he plays his backup quarterback, the third series of both the first half and the second half. Uh, it's worked out brilliantly for him in the past, and it certainly paid off this past Saturday. Uh, Martin uh, rolled out to make a pass, found nothing, tucked the ball under, and for his one carry on the night, went 62 yards. Uh, that's, that eventually set up a short two-yard touchdown run by Aaron Roth, which, which turned into the game-winning touchdown and wise that is 21-16 victory over uh, Moundsview. Uh, Martin, Martin certainly proved he's every bit as good as the starting quarterback Sasha Doran this year. Uh, he's got a number of long touchdown passes this postseason. Uh, thinking back, I've covered every one of their postseason games, and uh, I would be willing to wager that on 85% of the drives that Martin has been in, why is that has scored? Uh, they've been awfully efficient with him in there, and, and, and on this night, uh, he came up with a play that, that ultimately may have saved their season and, and moved them into the state final. Uh, my player of the week is uh, Rosemont running back Nicholas Liska, a 200-pound uh, senior. He gained uh, 131 yards in the Irish's uh, victory over Brainerd last week in the state semifinals, scored Rosemont's first three touchdowns. Uh, did did that knowing he was probably going to be getting a lot more carries because uh, uh, their leading rusher Andrew Hausman was on uh, was on the sideline most of the game with an injury, um, and Liska gets most of the yardage between the tackles. Rosemont uh, runs mostly the triple option, and of course the uh, the first option. Uh, the first choice in the triple option is to hand it off to uh, your running back running between the tackles. That's that's where Liska gets virtually all his yardage, and uh, he's one of the guys who makes that offense work and one of the guys who um, gives Rosemont a chance to possibly win its first state championship in 29 years. Well, that wraps up uh, not not only this segment, but this season of Sun on Sports. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, listeners for following our podcast this year. This podcast in particular, you can find at uh, www.mnsun.com and on iTunes. Uh, for Nick Clark and also for the vacationing John Sherman and Greg Clevin, thanks for listening this season. You can read sports editors John Sherman, Greg Clevin, Mike Shaughnessy, and Nick Clark every week in your local Sun newspaper.